0: In 1995, Sergeant Brady became Baltimore County's first female sergeant of homicide. Many of the upcoming episodes tell stories from this time in her career. Listener discretion is advised. What's going on? Let your mother know. Your mother wants to know. She's an inquiring mind. Mind. Is it mind or mind? (laughs) It's all in good service. See you. Okay, I'm calling this episode Crime Show Mythbusters. So I'm going to ask you questions about some of my crime show pet peeves. So it's really going to be more of just your experience than a true Mythbuster, buster, um, but I think that it'll be fun. Um, and I didn't give you a heads up about any of these questions, so if you don't want to answer them or you've just never come across them in your career, then obviously you don't have to answer. Okay. Alright. Many of what I call cop shows start with someone walking their dog or going for a jog or some other mundane activity, and then they stumble upon a dead body. The show cuts to the credits, and when they cut back, you see police tape and lights everywhere, and the homicide detectives are there. So I have a couple questions about this. Okay. Are that many bodies actually found in public places? Is homicide immediately contacted, or are other officers sent to the scene first? Have you ever gotten to a scene and it actually wasn't a dead body, but a mannequin? And were you ever at a scene that had been cleared, but the suspect was still in the house?
1: Hmm. Okay, start with the first question.
0: Are there that many bodies found in public places?
1: Well... That could be yes and no, because it depends on where someone's murdered. If you have, think about all the robberies that have gone bad that are murders. They're usually, some people, usually most of those have people like street robberies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in a public place. I mean, people are shot, and I mean, you've seen video of that, especially in Baltimore City, where, because there cell phones everywhere or in their cameras, where you'll see somebody getting robbed and then shot and killed. Mm-hmm. So, I guess in that instance, yes. Um, what, was she, what was the other? I'm trying to Um
0: think. Is homicide immediately contacted or are other officers sent to the scene first?
1: It's all, in our department, and I would hope in most departments, probably, patrol is always the first ones to respond because you have patrol officers 24 7. Homicide detectives are on call, it's not like they're patrolling the entire area. You know, Baltimore County, it's like their own call. And that's why we rely on patrol officers to, they get there first and, um, you know, they've gone through training too. And we've actually, when I was in homicide, um, we actually would train officers from shifts. Um, one instance where we had a homicide suicide. And, you know, when, when we got there, it was obvious it was a homicide suicide and so there was not gonna be any prosecution because obviously the suspect was also dead. Mm-hmm. So it was a good training moment. Once Crime Lab got there, um, the ME came in, um, you know, looked to see the same thing that we saw, uh, and they left. Then we had a good crime scene with everything there because we didn't have to remove the bodies right away. Um, we were waiting for them to be picked up. So I went to the shift lieutenant And I said, okay, um, we have a scene here where it's a, obviously you see it's a homicide suicide. And if you want to bring any of your officers, supervisors or whatever, I've got my detectives here that are obviously well-trained and really good guys. And they can walk your officers and supervisors through what we want them to do when they first come on the scene. And these guys did a good job. I mean, the initial um, officer, we call him the primary officer. But we thought, you know, every shift's got young officers. And, um, said, so while we still have the bodies here, and my detectives are here, and I'm here, it's like, do you want to bring, you know, anybody from your shift over? Well, it was like, you know, he brought them all over. And, um, we were take you know, and the detectives would take, I think that scene might have been Jay, and um, probably Mike. But it was, um... You know an officer or two at a time and go and walk them through the scene, and they would tell them, "Okay, when you come on a scene like this, we don't obviously things we don't don't want you to do. you obviously have to clear it to make sure there's nobody else in the house mm-hmm. and then once that's done, we really don't want you touching anything because let's try to keep the scene as clear as possible and clean as possible, mm-hmm. and they walked them through you know the dead bodies are there, you know they were showing them everything. And it's actually something funny happened on one of these that we did these sessions. And it was just because I had such good detectives and they were, you know, they, they love to teach themselves, um, you know, young officers, um, what to, and not to do that. I did this because I don't think any other sergeant ever did this in homicide. And, um, <laughs> the one, it, you just assume, I I don't know. I can say, I don't know. You would call me chauvinist, but I just assumed and it was gory. I I can say that, that it was very gory. Um, I think that was the one where it was shotgun. And um, so it was a mess. And, you know, we had all these young officers come through. The whole shift, I think, they actually took turns, you know, coming over to the scene and going through it. And the detectives walked them through it. And um, then all of a sudden I hear a lot of commotion. And I noticed that there was an ambulance outside. Well, it wasn't for my dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk out to the front and I said what's up? And the, uh, one of the supervisors said, yeah, um, one of the cops got sick <laughs> <laughs> and I just assumed it was, you know, this female officer that had come through and I'll admit what a dummy. And I said, who was it? Lucky I didn't say that because they were, there, you know, officers standing all around and trust me that would have gotten around And they said they all are laughing their butts off because it was this big, muscular guy, (laughs) male cop. I mean, and he apparently walked out of the crime scene and just keeled over. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, primary officers get there first, which is why you want them trained and try to help them out to see what, you know, what we need to look for. And, I mean, you can walk on evidence. So, you know, and unfortunately in some scenes... There's so much commotion because there could be a suspect in there. So there's a lot of, could be a lot of cops going in and out and you could actually lose evidence, you know, on the bottom of people's shoes. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, you try to limit that. And then obviously any type of suspicious death um, that patrol gets, then homicide's called. Mm -hmm. So, and there was something else I wanted to tell you because that was a good question. I remember what it was, maybe I'll come back to it.
0: Okay. Were you ever at a scene that had been cleared but a suspect was still in the house?
1: We had it was actually not in homicide, we actually had a search warrant, and I think that might have been might have been when I was in sex crimes. I can't remember which unit, or it could have been when I was had the fraud unit, where I hear all this, I just they cleared the scene because we had done a search warrant cleared the scene, and didn't find the suspect, and I said, did somebody, I could hear something going on above me, and I said, did somebody check up in the attic, well, where's that, it was one of these where you push the thing slide, mm-hmm. and um, he said, no, no, Sarge, and um, that's where he was, okay. he was up in the <laughs> attic, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a good hiding place, yes. I think we had another one where the guy was, they thought the scene was cleared, and I think, I mean, you always check under beds and stuff. He was in an odd place, found him. So, yeah, that's happened. That can happen to the best. So, going back to the question about the mannequin, it wasn't the mannequin that would come up quite a bit, but bones. Where somebody was walking, you know, hiking, whatever, and they found bones and they thought they were human bones. Sometimes they were. Most of the time it was deer. But and on occasion it was human bones. And obviously then that became a crime scene. Um... And unfortunately, there was, there's been murders done and that the person was murdered and they were thrown out of a car and like into a ditch. And it's the state workers and the county workers that would come up with bodies because that's where they were dumped, dumped. Mm-hmm. as they were fleeing, you know, or going down the highway.
0: So I'm guessing the answer is more than an hour, but how long does it typically take to get a DNA hit?
1: Oh, my gosh. Weeks, months yeah normally it's nothing like yeah up. In I think an hour. I used to laugh at that when I saw the shows
0: mm-hmm. um, so why is old surveillance footage so crappy? Is it actually possible to clean it up so you can identify someone, and how many cases have you worked where the crime should have been caught on tape, but for whatever reason the cameras weren't working that day
1: um okay, in reference to the the um, surveillance photo—it's as good as the system that was in. And businesses, a lot of times, the businesses—I should say—a lot of times the businesses have the best surveillance. But then again, sometimes no. And sometimes you'll go into a robbery, homicide of a business, and there is no video. It's like you've got to be kidding me because it was down and they never fixed
0: it. Fix it. And that I seems mean, to happen it, on it, uh, every true crime episode. And it
1: does happen. I mean, it's you rely on the business owners to keep good video. Um, in some cases, the, or most of the cases, the video is exceptional. So, you know, once you get the, uh, a really good video, and if you get a suspect, depending on where you are in your investigation, I mean, that's the first thing that's going to go on TV. Mm-hmm. If you have no idea who it is, mm-hmm. you know, just put that out there. But we try to figure out who it is before we would ever put it on TV, because we would rather not have them have a heads up that everybody's looking for them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but it's always wonderful to have video when... When that started to come into play where we were lucky enough to start getting video, that was just great. You know, obviously when I first went in, you didn't have video in a lot of places. And and that's when, where a lot of businesses, you'd be so frustrated because it's like, you know, are you kidding me? You don't have a video for your business? Just being robbed, not even to say, you know, you could have a murder in here. Right. So. Okay. Um, and with DNA, I mean, it depends on which department you're in. Um DNA hits, just or not, it's as fast as your biology lab, if you have one, or if you have to send it out, happens. Mm -hmm. It it really is. So, you know, there might be departments out there that can get it in an hour. I have no idea where they are. That's (laughs) lovely. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Haven't seen it, but that's lovely. It might be out there.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I remember growing up and doing my homework at the kitchen table when breaking news would come on you would see the reporters and the crime scene tape. I don't know if the average person would have ever noticed the woman in heels and curly hair always standing by the crime scene, but I could pick you out right away. Uh, My question is, while working homicide, was the media your friend or a foe? Uh,
1: The media never knew who I was. And that's the way I liked it because they were just as chauvinistic as I was in that one incident. And they never they never realized that I was in charge of the scene. You know, they were always going to the male officers, you know, with the brass, or I guess, you know, if they, they couldn't see our badges, but they never knew that I was the one that was supervising the scene. And it was pretty, it was great because then I would tell, I would go up to an officer and I'd say, okay see those reporters over there? You need to move them back. Just move the line back. So they would have no idea who was telling, all of a sudden something, you know, the officers were going over and they were shutting the scene down farther and and pushing them back. And um, that wasn't my responsibility, because in their job, we have a public information officer, Mm -hmm. or if it's something that had to be done right then and there, then the lieutenant, patrol lieutenant, would have to be the one to talk, because I don't talk to reporters, Mm -hmm. or I didn't, especially in homicide. Um, it just, we preferred, I preferred them not to know who the heck I was because it was great because I could control what they were doing and they had no idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was pretty, pretty fun actually.
0: Most cop shows focus on one department and those are the characters that the audience gets to know. Sooner or later they get a big case where the FBI has to get involved and that causes some sort of drama. Did you ever work a case with the the FBI? And if so, the same question as before, are they friend or foe?
1: Well, um, we had one of our cases that I'll talk about later on in a different session, we had a police officer murdered during a robbery. And um, when a police officer's killed, everybody wants to help, all jurisdictions. And if you're looking for suspects that are out of your jurisdiction, then the FBI is, can be helpful in, because they have obviously nationwide contacts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we've used them in the past, but when we have a homicide in Baltimore County, we are the primary agency. I think what the TV shows is like the FBI comes in and runs everything. That's, they usually have to get
0: permission, yeah. but the cops don't want to give them permission, and that's where there's always conflict,
1: yeah, when you have a department, i mean ours is a big department, I mean the FBI they work with you, but they're not the primary, and they never mm-hmm. are in a bottom, in a Baltimore county, especially in in a homicide, they aren't um, so so yeah the the shows that show where they come in and take over because they're the FBI is is not true. And in many cases, the agents are pretty good. They don't want to take over because they weren't there from the beginning. They have to. You have to tell them what's going on, and they would prefer to. What can you? What can we do to help? And there's some that we've had that want all the glory, <laughs> and we don't care. Just as long as we get the bad guys. But um, yeah, they don't. It, and most departments are like that. The FBI should be helping them, mm-hmm. but they're not the primary. They don't. You, yeah. And they don't pro- they're not the ones to prosecute if it's a county case that stays in to that jurisdiction.
0: Okay. Um, this one I already know the answer to, but uh, my favorite TV cop is Lenny Briscoe. I feel like he's the ultimate stereotypical cop. He's a tall white guy with a buzz cut and a drinking problem. What's your cop stereotype?
1: Hmm. As in the ones I've worked with.
0: No, too, the, what, what stereotype you do you fit into? Oh, what do I stereotype? Fit into? Do you fit into? Uh,
1: none of them. <laughs> I never have been. Um, so, most of the guys I've worked with—not I, I shouldn't even say—most of the guys I've worked with are tough guys, and they're really smart. And women too. The women are awesome that have worked the police. The officers, detectives, Debbie Chenoweth, um, who was a PSO. And I'm, other than I can think of maybe two detectives that worked for me at one time, everybody else would drink whenever, you know, not to excess. So I was a little odd because I never just didn't drink. Um, Smoking was funny. When I first came on as cadet, most cops smoked. Of course, I didn't. Um, your mom and papa would have killed me if I had started to smoke since I was still living at home when I was 18. But most of them smoked, but it's funny because as the, uh, I got older and the younger generation came in, there's still probably more smokers maybe in the police department than there are in other agencies. I'm not really sure, but a lot
0: less. You made that way more complicated yeah. than I meant it to be. You love donuts. That's wow. your cop stereotype. Okay. You love donuts. But I don't
1: like coffee, and that's the stereotype. So, yes, mm, I love donuts. I,
0: I think the stereotype I know what is just I you're getting too.
1: I think I was actually spotted at a crime scene. Of course, he still did not know I was the super, homif- homicide supervisor in the scene where I had donuts on the hood of a police car. And in between going in and out of the scene, I was eating donuts and made sure everybody had coffee and And I always made sure at my crime scenes that I would call the the fire department has these volunteers that are awesome people that would bring in the coffee wagon. Because usually a homicide scene, you're going to be there for hours and hours. It's very meticulous. It's nothing fast. You don't want to miss anything. And once you give up the crime scene, you're done. It's not like you can come back after people have gone in and messed up and done things. So you're there for hours. So I would bring in the coffee wagon, the fire department. And so we would... Anybody at the scene that's working it, whether it's the patrol officers, (laughs) you know, the firemen, if they were there, um, of course, my detectives and I, and they had the best food. Sometimes we'd be standing there, and one of the funny stories about that is we had a a homicide scene, and we knew we were going to be there a long time, and we were in an area where there were no places to go to go to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and so... The um, fire department also had something that you could go to the bathroom in, a, a vehicle that they would bring. And um, when, they, when the coffee wagon got there and set up, people from the neighborhood were going up and thinking they could buy. They, they had no idea. They were trying to buy the hot dogs and whatever. And yeah. So it's like, oh, uh, no, this is only for police. So because I always felt that, I mean, you're going to work a long time, everybody, of course, in our family, we eat well and yeah. should always have sustenance. So we did. And sometimes, like I said, we even had to have the potty wagon. Okay.
0: <laughs> to support the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Maybe we can get Buckshot some treats so he doesn't interrupt every episode. Also, follow us on Facebook for updates and pictures. Did you get that? It's not repeated. To support the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Maybe we can get Buckshot some treats so he doesn't interrupt every episode. Also, follow us on Facebook for updates and pictures.